my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 565. Welcome in. Hope you're doing very, very well. Today, we are going to talk about preseason week two. Um, I'm not going to do, I think last time I did one of these episodes, breaking down preseason week one, I talked for like three minutes about how, you know, the preseason has some value. It's not everything. I'm not going to go into the whole spiel today. Uh, We saw some stuff that matters, some stuff that doesn't. I want to tell you what I saw that I thought was interesting or important or mattered. Uh, I also want to note that I'm recording this episode in two parts today because it is early Monday morning here in Honolulu. At 2 o'clock my time, the Ravens play Washington on Monday Night Football, and I want to watch Washington quarterback Sam Howell. So I'm going to, I you know, I don't want to talk about all of preseason week two without literally having watched the final game of the week. So what I'm going to do, record the first half of the show right now, then watch that game, then tonight, Hawaii time, Monday night, watch the rest, you know, record the rest of this episode. So... I'm making a decision here. I don't know if it's good or not. This could have come out Monday morning, but I wanted to include the Sam Howell bit. Maybe Sam Howell does nothing. It throws like three passes, calls it a day. That would be kind of a bummer. Um, I hope he plays a little more because I want to watch what he does. It would really suck if I made this risk, risky move and then he didn't play at all. That'd be like a, a slap in the face to your boy, Zach Schaumler. He's expected to play. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm, you know, am I putting the entire show on hold for a quarterback who is named Sam Howell in Washington? Yes. Is that a good move? I, I don't know. But I want to watch it. I want to include it in today's show. So that's what we're going to do. Recording in two parts. Uh, let's start with this today. I have come up with a nickname for Green Bay Packers quarterback Jordan Love, and the best way I know how to explain this nickname is by telling you about a product I love. I love Frosted Flakes. And no, this is not an ad read, not a sponsorship. Um, No, I I try to avoid sugar. And the one way, like the vehicle that gives me sugar, because I I need a little bit of sugar here and there, I I get little bowls of dry Frosted Flakes because I'm an insane person. No milk. I put it in like a little bowl. I drink it like a heathen. And I love my little Frosted Flakes. It makes me happy when I'm writing in my office. And um, I got to tell you, though, I I don't buy like the standard... I think Kellogg makes them, Kellogg Frosted Flakes. No, no, no. I buy like the Walmart version. They're, you know, the great value Frosted Flakes. They're the off brand. And the other day, Walmart was actually out. Yes, I also, I I shop at Walmart. I'm one of those people. I'm a Walmart person. Hallelujah. We're all balling on a budget, doing my best. Um, So I bought regular Frosted Flakes, though, because they were out of the great value off brand Frosted Flakes. And it tasted different. I was like, you know what? I've been eating the off-brand Frosted Flakes for so long that now the regular Frosted Flakes don't even taste right anymore. It's very interesting to me. And I say all that to tell you, I've now explained there's a a standard version of Frosted Flakes and there is the off-brand great value version. Jordan Love is Walmart Aaron Rodgers. Jordan Love is the great value version of whatever you see Aaron Rodgers do on a Sunday. Um, He's not exactly the same. Just like the Frosted Flakes, they're not exactly the same, but there's a lot of similarities, and it's the budget version. You're paying Jordan Love less. He's maybe not quite as good, but he's going to do a lot of the same stuff. And against the Patriots in preseason week two, Jordan Love was was 5 for 8 passing, 84 yards, had a touchdown pass, and the touchdown pass was the moment I had this thought. I'm watching Jordan Love make this throw to Jaden Reed for a touchdown, 
And I was like, man, that looks so similar. That's exactly how Aaron Rodgers would have made that play. Like his hand came off the ball. He, he reversed pivots. He's standing there. He makes a throw. You're like, that just looks like an Aaron Rodgers play. Like if you didn't know that was Jordan Love and you just, I don't know, to the, to the right person, quick angle, you tell them that's Aaron Rodgers. I think a, an uninformed fan might go, yeah, that looks like Aaron. I, I just, the movements are so similar. And I'm not saying Jordan Love is going to be Aaron Rodgers from day one. That's just an absurd thing. No one's going to—you can't compare a quarterback starting for his first ever time in the NFL to a Hall of Fame quarterback. It's just not fair. Now, Green Bay fans, they're going to do it all year long. But I see a lot of Aaron Rodgers in his game. His movements, his accuracy, they both have really good arms that are—they're highly talented. And, man, like, there was a throw down the right sideline to Romeo Dobbs. Romeo Dobbs actually ran himself out of room. He got too close to the sideline. He caught the ball but out of bounds. But that was a perfect throw. And you're like, man, I see a lot of Aaron Rodgers and what Jordan Love is doing. And again, week one, early in the year, might be a little bit slow, but I really believe in this guy. I think he's their long-term franchise quarterback in Green Bay. He looks so similar. It's crazy. Like, it's just, it's it's Walmart Aaron Rodgers, frankly. And the arm talent's there. He knows the system. He's got a good offensive line. Young receivers are going to grow together. This Jordan Love thing, I feel great about. And uh, if he's Walmart Aaron Rodgers, that's a great deal for everybody. You know, he's going to play at a high level. He's much cheaper. He may not ever be the Hall of Famer Aaron Rodgers is, but you never know. And the thing is, if he plays at, you know, I don't know, 60, 70% of what Aaron Rodgers did during his time in Green Bay, they're going to win a lot of football games. And so I've got high hopes and high expectations for Jordan Love. I think he's headed in the right path, and it's going to be a really good year for him. Now, it's worth noting this... uh, Packers-Patriots game was canceled with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Uh, Isaiah Bolden got carted off the field on a stretcher. He was diagnosed later with a concussion, hospitalized overnight. It was pretty scary. Uh, He's a rookie out of Jackson State, played for Deion Sanders in college. Um, It really made me think of DeMar Hamlin. Now, a concussion is different than a guy literally having his heart stop on the field and getting resuscitated. But it was a scary hit, and I understand they canceled the game with 10 minutes left. It's a preseason game. It's a scary hit. I don't think anyone wanted to play more football. I think in the regular season, they might have kept playing eventually. But in a preseason game, 10 minutes left, I understand why. They're like, yeah, we're just not going to finish this. Nobody's feeling football right now. It's a terrifying moment. Um, I saw a lot of criticism of the NFL's decision to you know, call off the game. Both coaches like, yeah, let's just let's not finish this game. I thought it was actually in good taste. It's not a playoff game, guys. It's not like the NFC title game or something. You you don't, I don't know, it's 10 minutes left in a preseason game. The only thing I thought that was sad, actually, was them calling off the game, was we didn't get to see Malik Cunningham play quarterback for the Patriots, and I was really hoping to watch Malik Cunningham play, this dynamic quarterback who had five targets at receiver, no catches. But at quarterback, he's this guy who can move and run and throw, and it's really fun. So I was disappointed about that, but I, I as far as them calling off the game after this you know, this moment with Isaiah Bolden, I totally understand why they called off the game. And we're like, yeah, let's just not finish. Remember, context, it's a preseason game that coaches don't really want to play anyway. Like, they're like, hey, we're just going to get people hurt. I thought totally made sense. It's actually, you can't find the game. I, I usually watch the games afterward recorded. This game didn't air. There's nowhere to find this game. Probably because the moment is a moment uh, with Isaiah Bolden the NFL wants to bury. But uh, yeah, I didn't, 
not only was I not offended by them <laughs> calling the game off with 10 minutes left in a preseason game because of this really horrific injury, I think it, at the end of the day, it's a concussion. I think Isaiah Bolden's going to be all right. I'm not a doctor. Don't, you know, don't take my word for what I say, but he's out of the hospital now. Seems to be doing okay. He actually put out a message. Can't wait to rejoin the team. But like in the moment, totally, not only am I not offended, it's the right move. Like nobody wants to, newsflash, when someone gets horrifically injured during a meaningful football game, like a regular season game or a playoff game, no one wants to keep playing football, but the situation forces you're like, well, we can't not play the rest of this game. In a preseason game, you can actually absolutely not play the rest of the game. And so I thought it was kind of a classy, interesting move and uh, made sense to me. Now, I've got another note, though, for this Patriots game. Um, look, the Patriots have two rookie receivers that I really, really like. They drafted DeMario Douglas in the sixth round, and they drafted Kayshawn Booty in the sixth round. DeMario Douglas out of Liberty, Kayshawn Booty out of LSU. Um, it's interesting they're both sixth-round picks. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird that they both landed that way. But DeMario Douglas has been running with the starters, actually, a lot during training camp. He looks awesome. And then Kayshawn Booty was once a, I guess in 2022, going into last year, was a preseason All-American receiver. And uh, he was the Patriots' leading receiver in this preseason game against the Patriots. He had two catches for 49 yards and a touchdown pass from, I guess, a touchdown catch thrown by Bailey Zappi. They got two awesome rookie receivers that I think can end up being kind of a steal. Where you're like, I remember they drafted Jacoby Myers a couple of years ago. Kind of, he came, I guess, no, was Jacoby Myers undrafted? I think he was. Someone, I'm not going to pull out my phone and do the research on that right now. But I think, I think, if I remember correctly, I think he was actually, Jacoby Myers was an undrafted free agent. That's the year they drafted Nikhil Harry. And Nikhil Harry, first round pick, got outshined by Jacoby Myers. I believe an undrafted free agent. Regardless, I think this is going to be a similar, these players, Demario Douglas and Keishon Booty, I don't know they're ever going to be amazing star Justin Jefferson level receivers, but I think they're going to be quality level players in the NFL and could end up being similar steals to like the value they got from Jacoby Myers a couple of years ago in that same year they brought in Nikhil Harry. By the way, can anyone hear the bird literally outside my window? You probably can't, but it's incredibly distracting. Trying to talk while this thing is chirping away, like I... Nothing I can do. I think it's just a pigeon, but it's so loud. It's insane. Um, let's carry on with preseason week two. Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett played again this weekend. He played against Buffalo. Kenny Pickett was three for four passing, 43 yards, had a touchdown pass. Um, you know, the first drive actually ended with a long touchdown run by the running back. The second drive, they had a huge kickoff return, or I guess it was a huge punt return, uh, but I believe by Austin Jackson. That set up it, it, one play in their second drive, a one-play drive, 25-yard pass to Pat Fryermuth for a touchdown. It was awesome. So in this game, uh, not a lot from Kenny Pickett, three for four passing, a touchdown pass, 43 yards, but two drives, two touchdowns. And that means on, so far this preseason, as a, a whole body of work, Kenny Pickett has had the ball three times. He's had three drives. And three touchdowns, which is like, man, this dude is being productive as all get out. He looks great. Kenny Pickett in the preseason this year has more touchdown drives than he has incomplete passes. He's got two incomplete passes on the preseason, three touchdown drives. He is flying. Looks really good, really comfortable. Um, and the preseason is one thing. 
I've been working on a film analysis about Kenny Pickett. I got a lot of film analysis videos. I'm kind of got in progress. I'm hustling as fast as I can to get them done before the regular season week one. I'm actually afraid it's going to come out like, you know, the, the first game, I believe, is a Thursday night, and it might be Friday after the, the Thursday night game. We might do like three film analysis videos that weekend right before week one starts. It's going to be like coming down to the wire, but I'm working on these film analysis videos, and I've been watching a ton of Kenny Pickett film from last year, kind of trying to figure out what did he do well last year? Was it What does he need to work on to kind of take a step forward for next year? Because we keep hearing the term... Kenny Pickett's going to take another step forward. Well, what does that mean? Let's define that and really create some real expectations here. I'm not going to lie to you. There's not a lot I want to see from Kenny Pickett this year more than he did last year. He ran the offense at a high level. I think just higher volume, more success, maybe not getting benched against Tampa uh, with Mitchell Trubisky, that kind of moment, like him playing a full year, and there's no doubt that's going to be interesting, but... I don't think it's going to take a lot for Kenny Pickett to have way better numbers. I think just playing a higher volume of snaps, playing all year. He did some really good stuff last year. Kenny Pickett, um, I think physically actually kind of reminds me of Tony Romo. Like a, a maybe less turnover prone Tony Romo, but Kenny Pickett moves really well. He's got a good arm. Not a great arm. Like I was watching the Bills game last night um, and they, they lost, you know, by a lot. I think 38 to three or something. I can't remember the exact score, but I remember they were not, they didn't score a lot on offense in that game. I know they only scored three. I can't remember what Buffalo scored. They only had a field goal in that game, but some of the throws that Josh Allen made, you're like, wow, that's amazing. And Kenny Pickett physically can't make the throws that Josh Allen can make at the top. Like the, the maximum velocity and arm strength of Josh Allen is something that Kenny Pickett's not capable of, but he throws the ball plenty well, uh, plenty you know, got enough velocity to throw the ball at a high level, does some good stuff. I think his interceptions are a bit inflated. Like he had some picks early last year that just weren't his fault. You're like, I don't, I don't like he's getting blamed for interceptions. It's like, dude, a couple got tipped. One's a Hail Mary at the end of a game. I don't know. I walked away. I'm still in progress watching, you know, film of Kenny Pickett from last year, but what I've seen gives me a lot of confidence. And he was throwing back shoulder fades to George Pickens. I just did my fantasy draft. Uh, first ever. I'm going to do an episode about it, by the way. First ever fantasy draft. I've never done fantasy football in my life. And um, I'm, I want to do an episode about my experience drafting for the first time. But I really wanted George Pickens. I didn't get him. Uh, I believe Sam Colburn has him in the fantasy league, the Patreon fantasy league. Sam, I hate you. I tried so many times to get George Pickens in a trade. He rejected me like eight times. I've got a lot of confidence George Pickens is going to have a great year. And you know, the problem is it's a Patreon fantasy football league. So he's going to listen to the show, hear me say this, and now double down on never trading me Kenny Pickett. Um, he, he's going to win the league probably, honestly. I think his team is incredible. He's probably the best the roster I see in this league. It's freaking Sam. But um, yeah, Kenny Pickett's going to have, sorry, Kenny Pickett's going to have a good year, but George Pickens is going to be amazing this year and uh he was amazing last year frankly so back shoulder fades great chemistry with kenny pickett pickett pickens kind of the it's interesting their names have synergy there but man i love watching film of kenny pickett and uh so far this preseason he's made it look easy now um we got to watch falcons quarterback desmond ritter for the first time this preseason he uh Played for one drive uh, for Atlanta in week two of the preseason. Led a 15-play, 
78-yard drive. Now, it did end with an interception on third and goal. The interception wasn't his fault. Third and goal, ball got popped up off a receiver's hands, Scotty Miller's hands, actually. The receiver used to play in Tampa. It looked like it should have been called defensive pass interference. I was surprised it wasn't. So to me, that's an interception that's just not Desmond Ritter's fault. It was unfortunate because it... I wish I could have said it was a long touchdown drive, but instead it's a, a 75 yard, or, sorry, 15 play, 78 yard drive that ended with an interception. It's very unfortunate because it was such a beautiful drive up until that, I think, missed call by the refs. Should have been a defensive pass interference. Certainly, the interception was not his fault. You can't, you tackle a receiver as they're catching the ball, ball pops up, gets intercepted. That's not the fault of the quarterback. But I walked away from the Falcons preseason week two game. Feeling great about Kenny Pickett. He was 7 for 9 passing, had 80 yards, and that interception I talked about. But he was exactly what I expected, actually. It was one of those rare moments where your expectation totally aligns with the reality of a moment. And there was a lot of easy throws underneath. Atlanta's not asking him to do too much throwing the football. I really believe Atlanta's going to have a very productive offense. I talked about fantasy football My backup quarterback is Derek Carr. I specifically chose him because when my starting quarterback has a bye week, Derek Carr plays, I think, Houston, and I wanted him to play against a bad defense. But Desmond Ritter's available in free agency, and I'm like, man, he's going to be productive this year. I don't think dominant, but he's going to run a little bit, going to throw for a lot of yards. Um, I don't know that he's a – I don't think he's a fantasy quarterback, really. Like, I don't think it's going to get you a lot of points. But as a backup, like, hmm, made me think and pause and look at that for a long time. You know – Drake London had a nice catch down uh, the sideline on a back shoulder fade. There's good playmakers around Desmond Ritter. He's got Bijan Robinson, a running back who can catch passes. I believe he had, sorry, he had four catches. Sorry, he ran four times for 20 yards, had a catch for six yards, 26 yards on the day for Bijan Robinson, the rookie running back in Atlanta. You got Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts, Drake London. A lot of good weapons around Desmond Ritter that I think are going to make him look better as a quarterback. These are guys who. Kyle Pitts and, Des- and Drake London are receivers who, if you're a little bit inaccurate, they got a wide range of ability to go get the football. They are possession receivers, guys who aren't really going to run right by anybody. But if you're a little bit off target to Drake London or Kyle Pitts, they can go get the football. They're like rebounders playing basketball, or I guess basketball players rebounding a basketball. I mean, they just go get the ball. And so I think they're going to make Desmond Ritter look really good this year. And... I maintain he's exactly what the Falcons offense needs, quite frankly. He's uh, not going to be flashy, but he's going to execute at a high level. That's exactly what we saw in preseason week two. And watching him play for the first time in this offense with the playmakers around him they have, it made sense to me why they committed to him. He's a cheap quarterback. It's Desmond Ritter or make a crazy move to go get Derek Carr or something. Like I actually think Desmond Ritter is a better value than Derek Carr when it comes down to like what he offers an NFL team as far as he's way cheaper, like way cheaper. I think can execute their offense at a similar level, if not better than Derek Carr. Derek Carr has been prone to interceptions and bad habits. Desmond Ritter, right now, I mean, we're at one weekend. He's played one preseason game. I'm not going to overstate it, but nothing to me that was like, oh, that's that's a terrifying bad sign. It's like, no, he looked like a starting quarterback. Moved the ball right down the field. Didn't miss a beat. And I have confidence that this offense in Atlanta is going to do well. And if this offense was a vehicle, he's the right driver to drive them down the road. He's not going to—he's not an F1 driver. He's not Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, but 
I feel confident in in Desmond Ritter. I feel better actually than you know after watching him in a preseason game. I feel even better. Like okay, yeah, he knows exactly what they're doing. I think what we saw was genuinely getting a phone call. That's irritating. Phones on do not disturb. It's still ringing. I'm recording. Like I got two segments up. We can't wait a couple seconds. And it doesn't matter. Um. Anyway, I feel really good about Desmond Ritter in Atlanta. He's going to do a good job. Um, I like what they got going on there. And I, I truly believe Desmond Ritter is exactly what is needed in Atlanta at the quarterback position. Now, I watched Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. Uh, he was in for one drive. He led a 10-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. Daniel Jones, the Giants quarterback, was 8 for 9. Uh, the one incomplete pass was a throw to, um, what's it, Darren Waller that got dropped. It was arguably a drop by Darren Waller. So he was 8 for 9 passing at 69 yards. Nice. That's it. And a touchdown pass. I thought that Daniel Jones, the quarterback in New York, made it look easy. He threw passes to Paris Campbell, Darren Waller, Isaiah Hodges. I really thought that Daniel Jones did a great job. Again, it's exactly what you want to see from a starting quarterback. Go down the field, make it look easy, have a touchdown drive. Um, yeah, I mean, nothing crazy, no insane notes about Daniel Jones. Just he did a good job and did what was expected of him. And I thought very easily could have been 8-for-8 eight eight or 9-for-9. Nine nine. I mean, it really had a, had a great day at quarterback. The only other note from the Giants game I saw was that uh, later in the game, rookie receiver Jalen Hyatt had a really nice 33-yard touchdown catch from uh, thrown by Tyrod Taylor deep into the right side of the end zone. Dude, Jalen Hyatt is a speed demon. He had five touchdowns against Alabama last year in college. And Jalen Hyatt, his physical ability to just burn people vertically— Paired with the great coaching he has with Brian Dable, I feel really good about what's going on. Uh, I think Jalen Hyatt, I don't know that week one he's going to be a great player that stands out, but as the year goes on, week 12, week 13, week 11, maybe week 8 or 10, there's going to be a point where they mix Jalen Hyatt into the rotation even more and start using him to take shots downfield. I don't know when that moment's going to come. Maybe it's going to be earlier in the year than I expect, but I think there's going to be a point where Brian Dable goes, let's break out Jalen Hyatt, and he's going to have a, a, you know, an interesting couple plays and make some big touchdown grabs and be more of a vertical threat that they need in New York. So I really like that potential with Jalen Hyatt. He was a third-round pick. like He was kind of a steal out of Tennessee. Dude is lightning fast. Uh, not a big guy, but a guy that can run right by everybody. So I'm interested to see if, as the year goes on, they find more and more creative ways to use the speed of Jalen Hyatt to create big plays downfield. I'm saying it's going to take till week 11, 10, 13, something like that, till they really see that come to fruition and they utilize him, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's as early as week one. We see Brian Dable go, I got an idea. Let's send out Jalen Hyatt. He runs right by everybody, either gets a huge throw to him vertically or creates an opening where he demands more pressure from, he puts more pressure on the defense, demands more attention and, Opens up stuff stuff underneath for Darren Waller or Isaiah Hodgins, Paris Campbell. I'm not sure, but I really like what they got with Jalen Hyatt. That's a dude with a lot of potential in New York. Now, we got to talk about the 49ers quarterbacks. Um, most of what I saw from the 49ers game was pretty good at the quarterback position. Uh, first of all, let's talk about Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy, the starting quarterback in San Francisco, played for the first time all year. There was no big crazy throws or insane stuff, just really solid execution. Brock Purdy was 4 for 5 with 65 yards passing. He led a 10-play field goal drive. I mean, they moved right down the field very easily, and then that set up first and goal at the 3-yard line. 
Then on second and goal, Brock Purdy got sacked. He had no chance. Uh, that led to third and goal on the 10-yard line. On third and goal, Brock Purdy ran actually down to the two-yard line, ran left, escaped the pocket, ran to the two-yard line, got down. I think coach was like, ah, don't take a hit. That's Brock Purdy. Ah, I could imagine Kyle Shannon kind of panicking like, do not hurt my quarterback. Kick a field goal. Purdy's done for the day. So nothing crazy from Brock Purdy, but a good solid performance. Again, they moved right down the field. Um, he looks like a starting quarterback. I am really interested in how the year goes for Brock Purdy because if Brock Purdy is very average this year and not amazing, I think it's a high-level possibility that you know Kirk Cousins doesn't have a contract in Minnesota for next year. We know Kirk and Kyle work together in Washington. They loved working together. There's been rumors for a long time. Before Jimmy Garoppolo was traded for a couple years ago, there was rumors that that offseason, the 49ers were going to make a move to go get Kirk Cousins. They didn't. They ended up trading for Jimmy Garoppolo that year, and Jimmy Garoppolo did really well, so they kept him. But there's still a lot of links between Shanahan and Kirk Cousins, and if Brock Purdy isn't amazing this year, I see a high chance of Kirk Cousins being the starting quarterback in San Francisco in 2024. So a lot of pressure on Brock Purdy this year. He's got to deliver. And uh, what we saw in preseason week two was solid. Nothing amazing, but that's a quarterback that looks like a starting quarterback. Now, after Brock Purdy's first drive, though, it got really interesting and really exciting for me. Sam Darnold came in at quarterback, and he played the entire rest of the first half, then played well into the second half. Sam Darnold was 11 for 14 passing at 109 yards, one touchdown, one interception, uh, the interception was not his fault to get bounced up off of Ronnie Bell, the receiver's hands. Again, I know it's Sam Darnold is a guy who's legendary for his turnovers, but this was one that was not his fault at all. Um, I thought that Sam Darnold did some really good stuff and showed really good understanding of this offense. And I mean, there's this throw first and 20. There's a throw that's been stuck in my head for a while because Sam Darnold's taken his drop. I don't know if it, it was almost like as he before his back foot was hitting to plant the ball was already moving backwards to throw like it was either you know he'd take the last step of his drop and his arm is already moving the ball or the ball was literally being pulled back to throw before his last step of the drop happened but he got the ball out so quick at the top of his drop on a first and 20 in this preseason game I was like wow he knows exactly where he's going with the football he's got a plan he's dialed in man and uh later Sam had a really good throw on third and nine for a first down there was a third and four where Sam got sacked, and he actually recognized the blitz, but his hot route didn't turn and look for the ball, so he ended up taking a sack there. Uh, I thought Sam Darnold looked really good. And if his name is called during the regular season, Sam Darnold is going to be ready. I'm really, really confident in Sam Darnold. I like Especially when you watch Sam Darnold and then Trey Lance right afterward, that contrast really shows how much more of an understanding Sam Darnold has of this system and of what they're doing in San Francisco I feel great about Sam Darnold, man. Uh, he ended the day, he threw a touchdown pass to Jack Coletto. Jack Coletto's a really interesting player. Former Camus High School quarterback. I you know, played against Camus every year of my high school football career. Camus was one of my rivals in high school. I, I don't know if it's a rivalry. They dominated us, so I don't know if it's a rivalry if they are dominating you. But on paper, they were a rivalry, for sure. And uh, Jack Coletto's a cool story, man. Quarterback in high school, running back at Oregon State. Now he's technically a fullback for the 49ers. I am really hoping that Jack Coletto makes the roster in San Francisco because he's a dude who's such a valuable asset. Can run, can throw, can catch. He's he's really he's Kyle Uzcheck's little brother basically. Like he can 
do everything. I, I don't know how they're going to use him, but I, I can't imagine Kyle Shanahan looks at Jack Coletto and doesn't see a lot of possibilities where it's like, we can block with this kid. He can catch passes. He can run the football. Like, we can do everything with Jack Coletto. He's a huge asset to their football team. It was cool to see him get a touchdown pass from Sam Darnold, but uh, I'm rooting for him to make the roster. Like, that dude is just such a weapon in, in the offense, just ability to do so many different things with the football. And so keep your eye on Jack Coletto in San Francisco. Now, the third-string quarterback, Trey Lance, did not look great once again for the 49ers. He had good numbers, like his stats are good. Here are his stats. He was 12 for 18 passing, had 173 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Former number three overall pick, number three in the depth chart for a reason. The interception was a throw that he's trying to throw a screen pass and uh, didn't put enough air under it to get it up and over the defenders, got tipped at the line of scrimmage and picked off. Again, it's a you got to put more touch on it, get it up and over the defenders to your running back. Kind of... Man, I, I was hoping to be a good screen. Like, it was set up well, but he didn't put enough air under it. It's like, ah, oh, man, the little things Trey Lance is getting wrong. And, man, Trey Lance physically just does not look like a top five pick. It's kind of unbelievable. You're like, this guy was a number three overall pick. How? I, and I loved him in college. I thought he was going to be the next, you know, Josh Allen or something. Um, physically, he's not as good, as good of an athlete as I thought he would be coming out of college. He's struggling throwing the football. Trey Lance... His mechanics are a mess. I mean, he just does not look good. I, I wonder at times, like, I think he can throw a spiral, but it's not happening often enough for me to be really confident saying that. You're like, can he throw a spiral? What's happening here? I mean, there's some ugly, wobbly throws that are wildly off target at times. It's a mess for Trey Lance. And he should have had two or three interceptions. You know, the Denver Broncos defense didn't properly capitalize on what was going on. Trey Lance is often late making throws. He doesn't look good operating the offense and structure. Like Sam Darnold isn't having to extend plays because he knows exactly where to go with the football. He's executing at a high level, getting the ball out of his hands quickly, making good pre-snap reads, identifying the coverage, then post-snap, sending the ball to the right location. Trey Lance can't do any of that. It's like, how? In fact, I wonder sometimes watching Trey Lance, watching this game against Denver, I'm like, how was this guy at one point given the green light as the week one starter. Last year, he was viewed as the starting quarterback in San Francisco over Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm like, how did that happen? Did he either get, did he dramatically regress and get way worse? Or was he always this player? Because he is just not running the offense at an NFL level at all. I mean, he is, again, late on throws, wildly inaccurate. He can't move very well. I don't know. I, I wish he actually hadn't gotten hurt so we could have seen more of him last year against regular I think his numbers against a, like he had, again, 173 passing yards in this game, 12 for 18. A lot of that's because he's playing in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. Like he had a touchdown with two minutes left in the fourth quarter. That's a bad defense he's playing. He actually threw a seam route down the, the right seam for a touchdown. He was super late. Like a better defense, that's not a touchdown. It was wide open because the defense at that point in the game, fourth quarter of a preseason game, you're not exactly watching the best players in the NFL play at that point. And, man, I mean, the game is moving way too fast for Trey Lance. He's just totally overwhelmed. It's wild to me. Um, the amount of times where he doesn't seem to know where to go with the football, by the time he recognizes where to go, it's too late, so then he's got to extend the play. and It's not good. I, I just really can't say enough. Like, Trey Lance, um, especially watching him right after Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold, I don't know what to make of him. He struggled in his NFL career as a starter, but... He's looking really good in the 49ers offense. And 
The real difference between Sam Darnold and Trey Lance is Sam Darnold knows where to go with the football. He has got a great understanding of what the offense is trying to do. Trey Lance doesn't appear. I'm like, how? he's been there for years in San Francisco. What have you been doing? In fact, I watched Malik Willis play for Tennessee, and he's not perfect, Malik Willis, but he's getting better. Like, you see Malik Willis from last year's preseason and the couple times you saw him during the regular season last year to this year in the preseason, Malik Willis is a much better much more confident and comfortable quarterback. Trey Lance is none of that stuff. And you're like, man, I'm watching a lot of quarterbacks develop and get better and understand the offense more. And we're not seeing that from Trey Lance. And I know he didn't practice because he was hurt last year. I know he's been injured in the past, but like mentally, he's just not up to speed at all. And uh, it's really horrifying because I've been hoping he'd get traded away to like Minnesota or something. I don't know what he's worth. I don't know. And I don't think anybody wants him. I mean, you also have Kyle Shanahan coaching you, a guy who's made every quarterback he's ever coached better. And you're not working with Kyle Shanahan's coaching. That kind of makes me wonder if you're the problem. So I don't know, man. I feel, I feel really bad about Trey Lance. It's just not going well. He's not playing at an NFL standard. I can't believe this guy was a... I mean, I believed in him. I was all for the trade. I'm like, yeah, go get a really talented young quarterback. He's not really that talented. He's can't throw a spiral (laughs) half the time. He's not really that great of an athlete like I thought he was coming out of college. It's really an example of like, hey, when you watch a player dominate at the D1AA level, he played at North Dakota State. I trust that film way less now than I thought. I mean, Cooper Cup was a D1AA player. Samson Ibukam, a guy I played in high school with, played at Eastern Washington. Same with Cooper Cup. Um, they're both great NFL players that, I, I don't know, I, I, it's not exactly, you can't say, I don't, how do I say this? When I Now when I see a player, especially a quarterback, play at a D1 AA level, I don't trust it. Like, we saw Carson Wentz and Trey Lance come out of North Dakota State, and now, when I see a quarterback ever again come out of the D1 AA level, I'm not going to trust it because you're not playing against the best athletes, so your your ability running on tape isn't going to be something we can truly trust because you're going to go from a lower level of athlete basically going up two levels in athletic ability. And the concepts he was running, simply like, they don't translate to the NFL. I mean, he is way behind so many other quarterbacks. And I know he didn't play a lot. He... The, the the Rona year messed up his college career, but Trey Lance is so far behind. I mean, oh my gosh. I mean, c- compare him to Malik Willis and you're like, I've seen Malik Willis get way better in Tennessee. Trey Lance isn't getting better. And I I can't believe that he's struggling to throw a spiral at an NFL level. I'm like, what are we doing here? This is so weird. Like, I'm just shocked and disappointed by what we've seen from Trey Lance so far during the preseason. And man, it is, I feel bad for the 49ers because that's a, that's a, God, I'm about to say it. I don't want to say the word, but that's a bust. I mean, that's a player who you you drafted thinking he was your franchise quarterback. No matter what happens at Trey Lance, maybe he goes to another team. I'm trying to be really optimistic here. Maybe Trey Lance gets traded, goes to, I don't know, Minnesota or, gosh, who else needs a quarterback? I have no idea. He goes somewhere else and does well. Maybe that's possible, but certainly he's never going to be the franchise quarterback in San Francisco. And uh, I would love for him to prove me wrong, but it would take not only a lot of circumstances for that to happen, it would take probably Brock Purdy getting hurt, Sam Darnold getting hurt, and then I would imagine they actually would sign like Carson Wentz before they would play Trey Lance, because the 49ers are a roster ready to win a Super Bowl, the quarterback is the question. 
they are not going to compete for a Super Bowl with Trey Lance's quarterback. And they would, they would, I think, rather make a move for, like, I don't know, you heard about Phillip Rivers maybe rumored at one point. Like, I don't know that even if the starting, the first two players on the depth chart get hurt in San Francisco, I don't know that Trey Lance is even really quarterback number three because that team is ready to win. Trey Lance ain't ready to play in an NFL game in the regular season. Like, he just does not look prepared at all. And my gosh, it's, it's a bad move. So again, I, Trey Lance is kind of a catastrophic bust in San Francisco, quite frankly. It's really not good. The game is moving too fast for him. I could ramble about this all day, but certainly he has not lived up to the hopes and expectations of the 49ers organization. Um, uh, you know, I think I was really high on him in the draft. I was totally wrong. I want to just admit that now. Like, I, I, I yeah, I was hoping. I thought he had potential to develop. And I'm like, look, he's going to go play for Kyle Shanahan. He's physically, like, a, a really talented young guy, but he, he doesn't appear to be developing at all. And it's really disappointing because I thought that he had potential to be a great player that is just never going to get realized. And, uh, oh, boy, it's not working for him in San Francisco. Another thing, I you know, I this is going to come off as mean, but I encourage you to look up a video. Just Google, go to Google and, and type in Trey Lance hairline. Dude's got to shave his head, man. He He's running out of hair. Like his, his hairline ends like at the middle of his, fo- his head. You're like, what are we doing here? Why do we have any hair on the very back of your like head? It doesn't make sense to me. Like, dude, you, I don't know. I like, I don't know why that dude's still trying to rock with any hair on his head. He, he needs to go bald or something. Like it's just, it's like, it looks goofy. Like you t- if you look at Trey Lance without a helmet and a headband on, you're like, what is it? What's happening to your your top of your? I'm not, I'm getting mean here. I don't know, but um, Trey Lance catastrophic bust in San Francisco, and he's got to shave his head. <laughs> uh, let's leave off here. I'm gonna record the rest of the show after watching Sam Howell play against the Ravens on Monday Night Football. I will see you guys. Oh, I'll see you guys in like 30 seconds for you, but probably faster than that. But for me, it'll be a couple hours. So I'll record the rest of the show in a couple hours. I love you. I appreciate you. I will be right back. All right, we are back. Hope we're doing very well. I just watched Washington against Baltimore. Uh, first of all, I want to say I got this feeling. I don't know if you can relate to this where I have a burp coming on and I've delayed recording the second half of the show like 10 minutes kind of waiting to like, is it going to come? Is it going to happen? When is this feeling in my stomach going to happen? And when is a burp going to come? And it's not happening. I don't know why. I've given up. But if I randomly just let out like a blah, like the middle of the show, I guess I got to decide, will I cut it out or not? Probably not. I'm going to record all in one take. If that happens, it sounds highly entertaining, letting you know. Um, let's talk about what we just saw with, from Sam Howell on a preseason version of Monday Night Football. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Josh Harris, the owner of the Washington Commanders, being Awkward as all get out. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, let's start with the exciting thing. Sam Howell. Sam Howell in this preseason game, preseason week two against the Ravens, was 19 for 25 passing, had 188 yards, two touchdowns. He played the entire first half. That is four total drives. He had a 15 play, 72 yard field goal drive, a six play drive where they punted at the end, and then a nine play, 45 yard touchdown drive, and a 10 play, 79 yard touchdown drive. Wow. Um, I got a lot of thoughts, man. First of all, Sam Howell looked awesome. I think you just, I I have concerns. I will share them in a moment, but first of all, he looked really good. Um, and he's only 22 years old. So 
do the math. If he can be the franchise quarterback in Washington, they found a guy who could play there for a long, long, long time. That would be really cool. Now, um, it's the preseason. The offensive line did fairly well, but I do wonder how they will do against a better defensive front. You know, Philly, Dallas, they play both of those teams twice. I'm not sure what to expect. The Washington Commanders offensive line is supposed to be a little better this year, but still got some problems. We will see. Um, it doesn't help that, in my opinion, Sam Powell is holding on to the ball too long. I Now, we will find out. I don't know if it's too long, actually. Let me be clear. He's holding on to the ball for a long time. I can't tell if it's too long or if that's just his style. I mean, he's a playmaker, and when you watch Patrick Mahomes— an uneducated person would say, you know, he's holding onto the ball way too long. Yeah, but that's his style and it works and it's phenomenal. So we'll see. He's a great athlete. Can he keep it up? I'm not sure. Uh, he's also playing against the Ravens secondary in the preseason. And the Ravens secondary isn't great to begin with, let alone what they got going on in the preseason. So I'm not sure. Against a better secondary, like when Washington plays Dallas this year twice, two great corners, a great front seven. It's going to be a different story. So I, I I still am cautiously optimistic about Sam Howell. But my gosh, number one, the guy's got a strong arm. He looks fantastic throwing the football. He had a throw on third and 15. Took a sack on second and two. I was kind of banging my head against the wall like, what are we doing? But then he, he followed it up with a throw on third and 15 to Cole Turner, his tight end. And I went, whoa, that's a dime. That's a really nice throw. Great timing. And just the ball flies out of his hand. I never could throw the ball that way when I was a quarterback. Like, oh my goodness, it's incredible. Um, you know, Sam Howell had multiple third down conversions for like long third down conversions. Third and eight, third and 15, third and 10. You're like, man, he is dialing up really good throws here. Now, I talked about that second and two. Um, there was a second and two where he took a really bad sack, in my opinion. A, if he'd hung out in the pocket, it's kind of messy that there were bodies around him. I've heard that people say regularly that it's kind of like playing uh, playing quarterback is like being in a phone booth with a, with a bunch of wolves. Like, it's never going to be comfortable. You're, you're never going to feel safe fully. But it kind of got messy in front of him. He bailed out to the right. Instead of hanging in the pocket, if he'd hung out in the pocket, he had two guys open come across the middle at the short level and the intermediate level. I thought he had a completion that he he didn't throw because he got uncomfortable in the pocket. He rolls out right, had an opportunity just to pull up and throw the ball out of bounds. Okay, fair enough. He didn't like it. He got uncomfortable in the pocket. But then he he compounded the mistake by not only not throwing it away, but then trying to run left for some reason, taking a bad sack. Like, that that play can't happen. That's not great. Um, it's concerning because that, over the course of a whole season, you can't have plays like that. you got to learn from that moment, that second and two, Cannot be a habit Sam Howell has throughout the year. Not hanging out in the pocket, passing up open guys over the middle, and then not throwing the ball away when you should. I mean, don't take a huge loss on second and two. Just live to see another down. Uh, I also didn't see Sam Howell. I remember he slid one time. For the most part, though, he's taken too many hits. It's a preseason game, and you you got to protect your body. There's a long season ahead. I like Sam Howell's aggressiveness. I like that he could run. But don't let yourself get leveled in a preseason game. Like, come on. And frankly, not in the regular season. You got to protect yourself. You can only sustain so many hits before you're going to get injured. That's the story for basically every quarterback. You got to slide. You got to get down. I I've said a lot of negative stuff, but I want to be clear. He looked fantastic on Monday Night Football. The preseason version against the, the Ravens. My gosh. Um, there are three young quarterbacks this year 
that are being elevated to become a starting quarterback. Jordan Love in Green Bay, Desmond Ritter in Atlanta, and then Sam Howell here in Washington. And, like, I watched this game and thought, are they all going to work? Like, are they? They all are so promising. I'm not sure. Like, mathematically, three rookie quarterbacks, three first-year starters— Six new starters around the NFL on top of the other. There's, I'm sure, someone I'm missing there. But I think of C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, Jordan Love. Those are the guys I'm really paying attention to. And I'm like, they can't possibly all work. Like, mathematically, some of them have to fail. It's just, but, you know, like, we are entering a golden age of the quarterback position where I watch some of the stuff that's going on in high school football, and I'm like, that's incredible. Like, the quarterbacks are getting better and better and better, and... I think the failure rate's going to go down farther and farther. And, you know, I, I just think that the expectation in the quarterback position has been elevated and quarterbacks are better than ever. I'm not saying all six guys are going to do well, but they all have a possibility of working out. And that's a crazy feeling. You know, I, I really think Sam Howell's got potential here. We'll see. Again, he's holding on to the ball too long. I don't know how much I trust that offensive line and for how long. He trusts his receivers a lot, and they got some good ones in Washington. Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, add Diami Brown, former North Carolina teammate with Sam Howell. Get a really nice touchdown catch. Um, they got a good group of receivers in Washington. Now, it does concern me a little bit where, you know, he's got no fear of letting it rip a little bit vertically. And that throw to Diami Brown, you can say, well, they've played together a lot before. He knows where he's going to be. They trust each other. I don't know that that's a touchdown pass against a better, like he, it's a throw where Diami Brown was kind of behind the corner. Usually you throw that up and over to the back pylon. He just threw a ball up for grabs. His guy went and got the ball. That's awesome. But a better corner probably doesn't allow that to be a touchdown. That kind of habit throughout the year, that could be a problem too. Like, I'm just not sure. You got to also acknowledge though, you know, uh, Terry McGlure and Jahan Dodson, these are guys who do go get the football. So, Maybe we will consistently see Washington's receivers just out jumping and, you know, out boxing out other defenders to go get the football. I'm not sure, but that's a potential problem moving forward. But again, the concerns I have about Sam Howell holding onto the ball too long, the offensive line against tougher competition could be a problem. Is he going to slide and protect himself? And then, you know, th- those those throws vertically against tight coverage where he shows no fear. That's awesome, but Stefan Gilmore and Trevon Diggs for Dallas are ready for that. And so we'll see. I'm, I'm really fascinated. I want to be clear. I've been really hesitant to, to embrace Sam Howell here. I, I, in this topic just now, I've talked about things that do concern me because I have reason. There are things to be concerned about. No player is perfect, but I do really believe in this kid, and I'm a, I'm a big fan of him. I hope he does well. He's 22 years old. One thing I really like about Sam Howell is that he appears so calm and totally relaxed. Like, nothing appears to bother him. And it, frankly, really makes me want to see him play in the fourth quarter of a big game. Like, how does he handle a big, stressful moment? Because my bet, if I am a betting man, I would imagine he's going to handle that really well. Because so far, we've seen nothing to indicate otherwise. Like, he really looks like he handles stress and big moments incredibly well. Because he's done that throughout his entire career. So, I don't know, man. I'm fascinated by Sam Howell. I just... You know, there's so many young quarterbacks. Can they all work? I Mathematically, that's never happened. It doesn't make sense to say that. Mathematically, some of them should fail, but there's a lot of reasons to believe in all these young quarterbacks, and I I wonder which ones I'm watching the preseason going, oh, that's awesome, but it's not going to work and not going to translate to the regular season, and which ones are 
you know, they look good now and they're going to keep looking good into the regular season as things get tougher and defenses get more complicated. Now, there was a moment where Washington owner Josh Harris came on to the ESPN broadcast. He's in the booth with Troy Aikman and Joe Buck. And first of all, like, the <laughs> if you haven't seen the moment, you should look up um, Josh owner handshake moment where Troy, uh, Joe Buck, I guess, is talking next to the owner, Josh Harris, and he's talking, using his hands. His hand is kind of lingering out there for a little too long. And randomly, for no reason, Josh Harris tries to, like, grab it to shake it, and then it, he misses, and it doesn't work, and he kind of grabs it awkwardly, and it's like, what's happening? And you see Troy Aikman off to the left, you know, I guess, left of the screen, right in their, their little order, uh, order, trying not to laugh, like, trying to hold it in. Maybe he was nervous. Maybe Josh Harris was on something. I don't, he's a billionaire. Like, I don't, the expectations are so different for them. I have no idea. I, I'm convinced that no billionaire is a normal human being who just can operate at a normal level, but... He came across like a weird guy, whether he was nervous or on something. I, I have no idea. Was it drugs? Like, who knows what happened? But if you haven't watched the appearance of Josh Harris uh, on Monday Night Football, and I don't mean just a handshake moment. Like, even the way he's talking, looking around, the answers. I'm like, what's what's this guy on? What's happening here? Why is this such an awkward interaction? Maybe he's just an awkward, nerdy billionaire guy. That's probably possible. I mean, probably possible. That's probably what happened. I mean, I again... How relatable do you expect the guy who's a billionaire to be? Like, do you, he's just not one of us. It's a different per type of person. So I don't know what to make of it, but it was certainly awkward and entertaining. If you haven't watched the moment with the handshake, I encourage you to look it up. Um, let's talk about Tampa quarterback Kyle Trask now. Uh, Kyle Trask played most of the game against the New York Jets in preseason week two. Baker Mayfield did not play, which is something you would normally do with your starting quarterback in that moment. Uh, although Baker Mayfield has not been named the starting quarterback in Tampa, I am not sure what to make of that. I will say Kyle Trask is putting up a good fight. He's currently fighting to be the starting quarterback in Tampa. He was 20 for 28 this weekend, had 218 yards, a touchdown pass. Um, look, man, he looks better than he did in college at Florida. I would say that Kyle Trask is becoming a better quarterback. His mechanics look better. He's throwing the ball better. Um... He was helped by a really sweet touchdown pat catch by Trey Palmer. Trey Palmer made him look good in the end zone, catching it. And just an amazing, we're like, wow, that's a great touchdown catch. But what I want to focus on here is that it's, it's odd. There's not a starting quarterback that's been named in Tampa. I don't know what to make of it. Now, we could wake up Tuesday morning going into week three, and we find out, oh, Baker's been named the starter. But right now, they keep saying, oh, we got no timetable. We got no plan to name a starting quarterback. I don't know what's happening there. I don't know if it's like some mental thing to motivate Baker Mayfield. I don't know if it's that you don't want to help. They play at Minnesota week one. Maybe they want to make it harder for Minnesota to prepare by not knowing who their starting quarterback is going to be. I can't figure it out. I don't know why Baker hasn't been named the starting quarterback in Tampa. And I don't know why it's taking so long. Um, but I will say shout out to Kyle Trask for making it seem to be kind of a tough decision. Uh, he's playing pretty well. And I, I can only imagine in practice every day, it's a battle back and forth and, I'm not sure what the politics behind the scenes are, what's going on, but you know, it does seem like Kyle Trask is making the coaching staff have to think long and hard and pause to make that decision. But again, I also suspect it's partially to mess with Minnesota for their week one game. It also might be, again, a psychological thing to motivate Baker Mayfield. So I'm not sure what to make of Tampa, but keep your eye on the quarterback situation there. Um, now, 
Texans rookie quarterback C.J. Stroud played the entire first half against Miami this past weekend. It was another ugly game, to be totally honest. Um, Better than last week. He was 7 for 12, had 60 yards passing. He did have... Uh, they started the game, you know, Houston had an awesome interception. They pick off to uh, run it back to the seven-yard line. So the game started for C.J. Stroud, first and goal on the seven-yard line, and they couldn't score. They couldn't get the ball in the end zone or kick a field goal. They had a turnover on downs. It was kind of an ugly moment. We were like, Ugh, they're not on the same page there. I will say, though, C.J. Stroud, all these rookie quarterbacks, it's hard to judge. You know, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud haven't played a lot in the preseason. You really can't get a read on what's going on there. C.J. Stroud did play more than Bryce Young did this past week. He played the entire first half. And I thought C.J. Stroud made a couple nice throws. A couple times I was like, you know what? It's going to be ugly this year, but he's also got some talent. He's doing some good stuff. Um, But 60 yards, you know, that's 120 yards if he played in the entire game on that uh, pace. So it's not great what's going on with C.J. Stroud, but I, I just, I don't know what to make of it yet. It's the preseason and we haven't seen enough. I will say again, Something I've repeated many, many times. Of all the young quarterbacks in the NFL right now, Sam Howell, Jordan Love, Desmond Ritter, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, C.J. Stroud is the guy that I think has the hardest road and is going to struggle the most this year as a new starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, one thing worth shouting out for Houston is their number three overall pick, Will Anderson, looked fantastic. He had a big sack fumble, like blows up the blocker, takes out the quarterback, quarterback fumbles. He also had a nice tackle for loss. It was nearly a safety. Uh, It's just cool to see, man. Houston's first team defense wasn't perfect. They left Tyreek Hill wide open in the flat. They did a couple things. I'm like, ah. However, um, they are respectable. And I think that under D'Amico Ryans, the first 11 guys they got on defense are going to do some interesting stuff and fight hard all year. They got no depth, though. The depth the depth on defense in Houston is non-existent. Um, so if any injuries happen, they cannot sustain an injury, and they're not going to get much help from their offense, I believe, this year because of the rookie quarterback, because of the growing pains they're going through. It's going to be a rough year in Houston, um, and they're not going to be helped by their quarterback situation. Again, I, I really believe it's going to be just a really ugly year for C.J. Stroud, their rookie quarterback, and, um, you know, the defense is going to do their best, but when you're given... A lot. I think. I think what's going to happen, unfortunately, is Houston's defense is going to be on the field a ton this year, and they're going to lose time of possession and be gassed all game long. And then again, they have no depth. That's a problem for Houston's defense. But regardless, Will Anderson looked really good in preseason week two, and that was cool to see. In that same game, on the other side of the field, so I talked about it. Miami quarterback Tua got picked off on the first play of the game. Um, it was a bad decision. You can't really justify it. It's just a I don't know what you're doing, kid. It's just a bad throw. It's a bad idea. I'm not sure what's going on there. On the second drive, though, Tua looked a little better. He led a 14-play touchdown drive. For the day, Tua was 5 for 7, had 61 yards through the air, and that interception I talked about. Made a nice throw to Braxton Berrios. And it really stands out watching Tua and then comparing him to, like, Trey Lance, for example. Tua's strength as a quarterback is that he's got great timing, He's really accurate, great anticipation. He understands passing lanes. And, like, Tua basically runs the same— I don't want to say the same because they got different personnel, but they run a very similar system to what the 49ers do in San Francisco. And Tua could not be more opposite from Trey Lance. Like, he doesn't have a huge arm. He's not able to run, really. But, man, he puts the ball in the right spot. He understands passing lanes. He's doing such a good job. And 
like the contrast when you watch, I watched back to back Tua and then Trey Lance. And I was like, no, I guess I watched Trey Lance and then Tua. And watching Tua after watching Trey Lance really struggle was like, it made me have new appreciation for Tua and his ability to read defense and understand passing lanes and do some good stuff. I think Tua is just the least flashy quarterback you'll ever see. He reminds me of like older Drew Brees where he's not launching the ball 50 yards like Justin Herbert will or making crazy throws like Josh Allen will, but he can kind of dissect you. And I think Tua is going to have a good year. He's really underrated as a guy that just, again, he's not going to wow you. He's never going to make a throw where you're like, oh my goodness, but... As a guy who watches a lot of film, and I, th- I think I got a good understanding of the quarterback position, I was wowed a couple times watching Tua just during the, pre- the preseason game. I'm like, man, that's a really accurate big-time throw. Just understanding what they're doing, perfect timing, really good anticipation. Um, and I think that's an underrated part of Tua's game. Now, how about Titans quarterback Malik Willis? Titans quarterback Malik Willis played the entire game against Minnesota. He got helped out because Will Levis, the other quarterback, you know, battling for that number two job in Tennessee. Will Levis, their second round pick, got hurt Thursday in practice. He did not play in this game uh, over the weekend. That's great for Malik Willis. Uh, he got a ton of reps, so he got to put a lot of stuff on film, stuff that was good, stuff that was bad, things he will learn from, things he can be proud of. On the day, Malik Willis was 10 for 17 passing at 85 yards through the air, one touchdown, one interception. He also ran 11 times for 91 yards. Like, I I love watching Malik Willis because he's such a physically gifted quarterback. His fastball is incredible. He made a couple throws. Like, hey, he is... Uh, that ball coming out of his hand is hot. It's a, it's a fastball. And I had a couple drops where I think Tennessee's receivers simply weren't able to hold on to the ball. They're like, oh, this, this ball is coming in quick. It was kind of interesting to watch. Uh, on the day, Tennessee ran the ball for 281 yards, which is... Ridiculous. Part of why you don't see huge numbers from Malik Willis is they didn't need him to do a lot at the quarterback position. He was not having to throw the ball a ton because they were having so much success on the ground. Um, he did. He had a, a throw to Nick Westbrook Akine on a deep crosser, kind of left side, left middle of the field. Missed that. That was an unfortunate throw. I was like, oh man, like you got to hit that. There are still lots of things for Malik Willis and ways for him to grow, but. All in all, compared to what we saw last year for Malik Willis, he is way better. And he had a nice throw on third and four. The interception was a tough one. Let's talk about it. He had an interception late in the game where he kind of got baited. Uh, linebacker Troy Dye, I don't, was it? I can't remember exactly what happened in the game. I, I think it was actually like near, I, I just, I don't remember. I said later in the game, I really, I don't remember. I, have, I don't have it written down. But I remember watching linebacker Troy Dye, who I think is a, a borderline starter for Minnesota, uh, who that's why I'm like, was it actually earlier than I remember? But Troy Dye, linebacker, started carrying vertically with his receiver. And then he spun back and got in position, got in the passing lane, picked off the ball. And it was just a great play by linebacker uh, Troy Dye. It was a throw that he got baited. Um, as a, f- a former quarterback, like, I was never a great quarterback. But that's the kind of play where I'm like, I think he's open. I would have pulled the trigger too. Like, I, I don't blame him for throwing that interception. As far as interceptions go... That's not the worst one you can throw for Malik Willis. It looked like he was turning to play man coverage. Then he spun back and got in the throwing lane, and you're like, ah, man, that's just a great play by the linebacker. Right? You can't really hate on the quarterback for that one. Um, you can learn from it. You can say, well, why, given the, the coverage they were playing, why would that be man coverage? I saw Aaron Rodgers get picked off against the Giants that way one time where Aaron Rodgers reads the coverage, identifies where everybody should be, and the linebacker actually just made the wrong play. 
he didn't play the coverage he should have, ended up exactly the passing lane and picked off Aaron Rodgers. Like that happens sometimes where linebackers screw up or make something, some surprising move. But I, I just thought it was a great play by the linebacker, Troy Dye. It wasn't really a terrible play by the quarterback. I saw a lot of bad interceptions this weekend. This was not one of them. It was on the quarterback. It's not like it got tipped up in the air or was some bad luck throw, but it was just a great play by the defender. And sometimes people get you and make you look bad. Um, we also saw Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's shift to Vegas. Raiders quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo played for the first time all year wearing the black uniform of the Raiders. Uh, not much to be said here. He was four for four with 39 yards passing. He played for one drive. He led a nine play 68 yard touchdown drive against the Rams. It was like, cool. Okay. Not really. They, they handed the ball off a ton. They're running the football. Uh, I actually picked up in fantasy. I, I, I don't love talking about fantasy. I'm going to try to keep it only to like the, the I'm, I'm going to do a weekly fantasy football show this year. I want to only talk about fantasy during that show, but I will say I picked up their backup running back because I was like, I need a running back. I've only got two on my, my fantasy football team. And this team, the Raiders, are going to run the football at tons. So I picked up Zemir White, their backup running back, just going like, based on their offense, what they're doing, uh, either he's going to get a lot of carries or if Josh Jacobs gets hurt, bam, it's going to be a lot of carries for Zemir White. That's awesome. So um, we didn't get to see a lot from Jimmy Garoppolo. I think their offense is actually going to mirror a little bit of what's happening in Atlanta where... They're just not going to ask very much of the quarterback. They are going to run the football heavily. Jimmy G made a ton of throws underneath the guys who were open. It's just not, not a lot's going on. They're not asking Jimmy G to like carry the franchise and make crazy throws downfield. That's not Jimmy's game anyway. He's more of a distributor, and uh, that makes sense to me. Now, the thing I was excited for watching the Raiders was their backup quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. And uh, Aiden O'Connell played the entire second half. Now, that sounds great. That sounds like he got a lot of reps, but unfortunately... It was a really quick second half. Aiden O'Connell, he led two touchdown drives, then had a three and out, and they punted. By the time he got the ball for a fourth drive, they were up late in the fourth quarter, and their job was just to run the clock out and win the game. So we really, I know we got two drives that were awesome, two touchdown drives from Aiden O'Connell, but we, I feel like we actually didn't get to see him very much because he played a second half where the clock was running. It was really fast, uh, only got the ball four times, and one of them, again, you were just trying to run the clock out. So Aiden O'Connell did what he could. Um, I thought he was actually better week one, but in this game, Aiden O'Connell was 11 for 18, had 163 yards, two touchdown passes. Um, you know, I, I watched Brian Hoyer throw a really bad interception when he came in in relief of Jimmy Garoppolo in the second half. Right now on the depth chart, Brian Hoyer is the number two quarterback for the Raiders. Aiden O'Connell is the number three. I watched this game and wondered if Aiden O'Connell might be better than Brian Hoyer. Like if if Jimmy G gets hurt, are we really going to throw Brian Hoyer out there? Or can we please, please, for the love of God, play Aiden O'Connell? Um, I mean, Aiden O'Connell did some good stuff in this game. He did have a play, first play of the game, had a man wide open deep down the left sideline, and he missed the throw. It's a it's a physical miss. You know, mentally, you recognize the coverage, you find the open man, but he just missed the throw. The last part of that play where you see the coverage, you recognize the guy coming open, you throw the ball, and the throw was bad, but everything else was great from Aiden O'Connell. Um, he looked great off play action. I will note, like, I don't love his deep ball, but he is so good at the intermediate level where frankly, most throws in the NFL are, you know, within six to five yards and then in the intermediate level. So everything other than like just going vertically way downfield, Aiden O'Connell looks awesome. And I think he can do a lot of good stuff in the NFL, given that the strength of his game is at the intermediate level and the quick game. 
And uh, man, like his ability to run play action is beautiful. He's he again. I I compared him to Tom Brady um, after preseason week one. Not like in ability level, but the way he literally looks in the pocket, his movement in the pocket, physically how he turns off play action and stands there. It just you clearly can see that he's been watching a lot of teaching tape of Tom Brady, which makes sense because. Josh McDaniels, the head coach of the Raiders, was Tom Brady's offensive coordinator for years. And I would imagine as he's installing his playbook, you're literally watching a lot of tape of Tom Brady and the things he did in New England. So ah, it's interesting, man. I really I want to watch Aiden O'Connell play in preseason week three. I think he might be better than Brian Hoyer. And I don't expect to watch Jimmy Garoppolo play. We'll see. But I'm not convinced. I don't know why Brian Hoyer is the number two quarterback. I know he's got familiarity. He's been in that system with Josh McDaniels for a long time. But if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, are we really going to put in Brian Hoyer rather than Aiden O'Connell? It feels weird to me. And uh, I don't know. I just, I, I'm not convinced yet that Brian Hoyer is the right person to help them win if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt. So I, I find it interesting. Now, it, there's a difference between Jimmy G is out for the rest of the year and Jimmy G is out for you know, three drives where he's getting his ribs checked or getting an ankle taped up or something. So uh, it, it depends on the situation, but I would imagine they keep three quarterbacks in Vegas with the Raiders. And in the right scenario, I, I see a world where Aiden O'Connell could be put at the number two spot rather than Brian Hoyer. Now, um, Bryce Young played again for Carolina. That's the former, he was the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL draft. He's the believed future franchise quarterback in Carolina. And he didn't really do anything notable. Bryce Young was three for six passing at 35 yards through the air. He led two drives. The first drive, then went three and out. The second drive, they had a 15-play, 62-yard field goal drive. And I, I just, you haven't seen enough from Bryce Young to really evaluate much of anything. Uh, I want to see him play more because he played two drives in this game, didn't play much in the first game. The field goal drive ended where they actually ended up at third and 31 he got them down to you know, second and nine on the 10 yard line and then uh Ikem Ekwonu their left tackle really let Bryce Young down he for some reason thought he was like passing off the pass rusher to someone who wasn't there he just let the pass rusher go right by him Bryce Young gets sacked for a huge loss that's unfortunate it's a bad play by their starting left tackle then they have two penalties for Carolina holding and a false start that leads Carolina to third and 31 you can't overcome that they kick a field goal it's just, I can't really get a read on Bryce Young. I, I like him as a person. I love what he did in college. I like his mentality. We haven't really seen him play very much. And so I, I just can't wait till week one till we see him play against live bullets and really actually is in a real game uh, where it matters and he's getting a full game worth of reps rather than a couple just random drives here and there. Uh, Zach Wilson in New York for the Jets played a little bit. Um, he played... You know, I don't know. He was nine for thirteen, had seventy yards. the The big play of the game for Zach Wilson was a thirty five yard run where he spun out of a sack, ends up going right down the right sideline for thirty five yards. Um, played the entire first half, led two field goal drives. They lost thirteen to six. The only times they scored was while Zach Wilson was in the game. Um, but Zach Wilson did his job very well. It's hard to. I don't want to be excited about this game, but he did his job well. Zach Wilson did. The team around him wasn't great. He's playing with a lot of backups that were often doing the wrong thing, and you're like, well, it's it's tough here to evaluate these quarterbacks who 
you're put in a spot where you're being let down by the people around you. I thought that's what happened with Bryce Young and his left tackle on that second and nine where he got sacked. I saw Sam Darnold have a play where he recognizes blitz. He looks to the hot route. Hot route is just not even looking at him, not even a, a realizing, hey, I'm the, I got to get my head around balls coming to me. Sam Darnold gets sacked. I saw a lot of moments like that with Zach Wilson where the people around him just aren't doing everything properly. He did his job well, but the people around him weren't really helping him out. Um, although, hey, that's a good problem to have. Like, f- at least finally, Zach Wilson is doing the right thing in a new offense rather than what he did the last two years with the Jets where he was all over the place and you you just you just wanted Zach to execute. At least he's doing that now. Um, how about Denver? Broncos quarterback Russell Wilson this past weekend played for one drive. He led a 13-play, 49-yard field goal drive. I, I'm still not sure how it's going to go this year in Denver. Um, you know, Russ was three for six passing at 24 yards through the air. He also ran for 25 yards. Basically the entire field goal drive was Russell Wilson making plays. Um, he ran for first down on third and six. He looks really mobile. He's running well, and that's encouraging to see, but we, we have week one of Russell Wilson not doing well enough, staying on the field well into the second quarter to try to make Sean Payton happy. He plays one drive here, does well, but I'm still just not sure what to expect from Russell Wilson based on what we've seen so far in the preseason. All right. um, Sorry, that was, as I realize now, that was like rapid fire. I didn't mean for that to happen. Like bang, 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 no transition, quarterback after quarterback. But um, I've got three quarterbacks left I want to talk about. Three guys who are backup quarterbacks for sure that are just interesting. Like, this is what the preseason is all about, is watching these backup quarterbacks. We saw Sam Howell. I thought that was probably the best epi- you know, part of the show was talking about uh, really the second and two, the bad sack Sam Howell took. But this is the stuff that I love about the preseason, getting to watch backup quarterbacks do stuff that uh, we don't normally get to see. So the first backup quarterback I want to talk about is Brown's third-string quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. He played against Philly. I thought he did really well. Uh, an ESPN headline I read said that he struggled. I don't know what they were watching. I thought he did great. Um, certainly, again, watching Trey Lance for the 49ers and watching Dorian Thompson-Robinson, I'm like, who would you rather have as your third-string quarterback? I'll take DTR all day long. Uh, he did better against tougher competition. I thought DTR did a good job this weekend. He was 13 for 25 passing at 164 yards, four carries for 18 yards. Um, here's kind of the list of stuff I saw from Dorian Thompson Robinson that I liked. He extended a play on third and four, kind of drifted, just buying time, drifting back through for a first down. On third and six, he threw for a first down. I really like that. He ran for a first down on a bootleg on fourth and one. Uh, there was a, a great drive. He led a 12-play drive all the way down to first and goal, and then their running back, John Kelly, fumbled. So he doesn't really get credit for a scoring drive, but you're like, man, it was a beautiful drive. DTR did his job the entire way, but the backup running back fumbled, let him down. He had a, a good throw on third and five again. There was a, a second and 10 where he escaped a pressure and ran for eight yards. I'm like, man, he's so fun. Like, DTR can move. He's got a great arm. He's throwing from different arm angles. He understands what they're doing really well in Cleveland. Um, he had this back shoulder fade that got ruled out of bounds, but was a beautiful throw. So really, I thought the only bad play all day by BTR, that's by DTR. The only bad play is a bit of an exaggeration. He made a bad throw here and there. It was a bit off target, but like the one play that stands out to me where I'm like, 
ooh, that's not great. It's weird. I'm going to criticize him for a play that was actually a completion down the right sideline. Um, Cleveland ran a stutter go, meaning like you start to run vertically, you stop your feet like you're going to run a hitch route, and then you keep going again. And you're trying to get the defender kind of shake him free and go vertically. And the receiver did an okay job, but the defender was actually in his pocket, meaning like he's next to the receiver running vertically. DTR still throws the ball downfield, right down the right sideline. It's a completion, but it was a really bad play by the corner. The corner somehow lost the ball in the air. Uh, so he didn't even make a play on the ball. Receiver catches it, gets tackled immediately. I want to point out that it was great coverage and a better corner doesn't allow that to be a completion. Like a better corner would either not allow that to be a catch or frankly just pick it off because it just wasn't really wide open. And he kind of got lucky that the defender played it poorly. That's a throw in the preseason where you see DTR have a nice looking throw, but then you realize, hey, the competition's just at a lower level and a better corner. That's not a completed pass. You can't get away with that. So little things like that you have to look for in the preseason where like it might look good at face value, like, I saw people talking about Trey Lance. Trey Lance, nice job, a lot of yards. It's like, whoa, whoa, they were garbage. Like, Trey Lance had a lot of plays where he's missing people open within the structure of the offense and then running left and just playing backyard football, and it's really ugly and messy, and he's throwing receivers that are, you know, he's throwing way late to them when they're barely open. And uh, we didn't see that from DTR. DTR is operating at a higher level, uh, understanding what they're doing in Cleveland, running the offense well. But that one is a throw we got away with that he probably wouldn't. That throw on the stutter goat on the right sideline, end of the game, that's not a completion in the regular season in the NFL. Uh, Jaguars backup quarterback Nathan Rourke did really well this past weekend. He was 10 for 12, had 121 yards passing. I just really want to see this guy make the roster. Former CFL quarterback out of, uh, played at Ohio, uh, in Athens, Ohio. I'm not sure if he's going to make the roster. It really comes down to whether or not the Jaguars want to carry three quarterbacks on their roster. They've got Trevor Lawrence. They've got his backup, C.J. Beathard. And then they've got this guy, Nathan Rourke, who's got a lot of potential. And my philosophy with backup quarterbacks is you want your second-string quarterback to be ready to play if the starting quarterback gets hurt. Trevor Lawrence is out for a couple plays. You want a veteran guy, C.J. Beathard, who's been there, done that, can lead a drive or two if they need it. But then what you really also want is a third-string quarterback like Dorian Thompson-Robinson who has potential and could become more than just a, a solid backup or become a backup that you're invested in and knows the system well and actually could win a game or two if you needed him to. I think that guy's Nathan Rourke. I think Nathan Rourke, with time to sit and learn and grow, he's 25, he can run well, he runs the offense really well. I'm rooting for him, and I'm really hoping that the Jaguars hang on to Nathan Rourke and keep him on their roster he might clear waivers if you waive him and you release him. Uh, then you can see Nathan Rourke become made available to all the other 31 teams. If someone claims him, you can't have him. But if nobody claims him, then you can bring Nathan Rourke on as your uh, as a practice squad player. Then he's yours. And if something happens, you can elevate him up to the 53-man roster if, say, Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. I look around the NFL, and if Nathan Rourke became made available, given the plays he made week one— given the way he played week two in the preseason, I don't think he would clear waivers. A team like Detroit might take him. A team like, man, New Orleans would happily take him. I, I think Philly would probably actually go get him. Philly's really smart. They got a third-string quarterback, Ian Book. I think they would be like, we will gladly take Nathan Rourke, who could run our system. It'd be really interesting. So I, if I'm the Jaguars, I would not take a risk in letting another team claim Nathan Rourke off waivers. I would keep him as your third-string quarterback on your roster. Now, let's end the show by talking about 
the potential Bears backup quarterback, uh, Tyson Bagent. Tyson Bagent? I'm not sure how you say his name. Um, he's a former Division II quarterback. In week one of the preseason, he was four for five for 37 yards. Um, and we've seen the backup quarterback, the guy who was brought in to be the backup quarterback in Chicago, P.J. Walker, play really poorly. Meanwhile, Tyson Bagent is playing very, very well. Uh, in game two against the Colts, uh, Tyson was nine for 10, had 76 yards. He ran for a touchdown. He's got a good arm. He's really mobile. And it's actually really interesting. I talk about these little Aaron Rodgers clones around the NFL, Jordan Love, Zach Wilson. Tyson Bagent is another guy where you watch him in quick game, he looks like Aaron. The footwork is identical. And it's also not shocking. The Bears offensive coordinator is Luke Getze, who used to work with Aaron in Green Bay as his quarterback coach. So either that's footwork him and Aaron developed, or more likely is that what's happening is they're watching a lot of teaching tape of Aaron as they install the offense. They're like, we're running this play. Here's Aaron Rodgers running it with me in Green Bay. That's what I would imagine is happening. And so I would imagine Tyson Bagent is watching a lot of Aaron Rodgers film and mimicking his footwork, which is what I would do if I was a young quarterback too. You got to look at the best and try to copy them. Um, look, PJ Walker's been bad. I can see this guy, Tyson Bagent. Uh, pray to God I'm saying his last name right. Uh, I could see him becoming the number two quarterback in Chicago. I may not know exactly how to say his last name. I've watched him play a lot of football. And uh, hey, man, the dude looks really good. Athletic. Good arm, accurate, understands the system. I think he's a number two quarterback in Chicago. I would rather him be the backup than P.J. Walker at this point. And uh, a lot of respect. He's doing a good job. So as a look around the NFL, man, it's been an interesting preseason. We're seeing starting quarterbacks who are doing what they should, taking their team down the field, scoring easily. It's a bad news. It's a bad sign if your starting quarterback struggles to get the you know team down the field in one drive and they don't look good. We're seeing a lot of backup quarterbacks, though, do some good stuff. And I just think we're entering a golden age of the quarterback position where quarterback development is better than it's ever been. Young quarterbacks are better than ever. Sam Howell looks good. Jordan Love looks good. Desmond Ritter looks really good. I, I think he's not getting the props he deserves, actually. Like, Desmond Ritter looked really good this past weekend uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. So, man, I just like what's going on in the NFL. It's a lot of fun, a lot of great quarterbacks. And uh, I want to reiterate something I said earlier I, I watched a lot of film of Kenny Pickett this past weekend. I'm working on a film analysis about him. But something I didn't say earlier that I want to say is that I walked away with so much like respect for Kenny Pickett. Like the dude is so for him to be a rookie and run the offense the way he did is so impressive. I just think that early on in the season last year, like he people will say he struggled early in the year because he threw a lot of interceptions. A lot of them weren't his fault. They're kind of misleading. But man, I thought he did high-level stuff and showed really good understanding of the system in Pittsburgh. For a quarterback who's a rookie to play at the level he did is uh, really surprising and, and speaks to the coaching staff, speaks to uh, Canada, their offensive coordinator, and really speaks to Kenny Pickett's work ethic and his understanding of concepts, the way he does stuff, but then his ability to work all the way through progressions, have great understanding, know exactly where he's going with the football every single play, it actually, in some ways, reminds me of Joe Burrow, his his pre-snap planning ability where he knows exactly where he's going. And um, I just really, I think I didn't say a good enough job earlier how impressed I am with Kenny Pickett and how much I have confidence in him. I compared him physically to Tony Romo, but I like a lot of what Kenny Pickett's doing in Pittsburgh. And we talk about where he can go next year. I just don't know if there's a lot of room for him to improve. I think what he's got to do next this year uh, compared to last year is play a full season 
he'll put up better numbers just naturally that way. But they got to be more productive, maybe score a little more points. But I thought, man, Kenny Pickett was, I think, actually underrated last year. He played really well and isn't getting credit for how well he played in that system last year. And uh, I don't know, tip of the cap to Kenny Pickett. Guys, that's all I have. I love you. I appreciate you. I, it's weird. I've been recording today. I haven't heard myself. Usually I have, I have headphones on. Hello. Okay, I can't hear myself. I think someone turned down probably me. I think I bumped the knob. I haven't been able to hear myself very well in my headphones. Either I'm going crazy, my hearing's going bad, or uh, the headphone volume is lower. I'm not sure. But either way, I hope you had a great day. I love you. I appreciate you. Hope you watch Sam Howell light it up on Monday Night Football. Have a great day. I'll see you soon. Ba-dum-bum. Bam. We are done.